Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can just gather around your word this morning. We thank you that your word's a lamp to our feet, it's a light to our path. And uh, we just ask that, God, you would just speak to us, you would move in us, and you would encourage us in trusting you. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Um, you're on. just want to turn the, um, the stage display across for us, please? Great. Yep. How many know where that is? Tarawera. Yeah, yeah. One of my one of my favourite places. Places. That's Tarawera on a beautiful day. Uh, it's not always like that. Back in 1983, uh, Penny and I and the two boys, they were probably aged two and four at that stage, went uh, Easter, uh, went for some fishing and um, and camping around to the. Wairua Stream, and just next to Hotwater Beach, and uh, it's a great, it's a fantastic, absolutely fantastic place, but it's interesting, generally one person will drown on Tarawera every year, because it's a very deep lake, it's a very cold lake, and um, when the weather turns bad, if you end up in the water, you're only going to last half to three quarters of an hour before hypothermia sets in, so it's a real difficult one. You're on if you want to just go onto here. So so basically, um, we'd come across, and we were fishing this little stream down here, the Waiwara stream, and uh, this is Hotwater Beach uh, down there. Some of you have, um, have been there. Uh, but on this particular Easter, uh, hurricane force winds uh, came up, and uh, we decided to break camp on the Saturday morning. And just as well we did because a couple of boats that stayed got uh, washed up on the beach. One of them got holed, so it wasn't a particularly nice place to be. Um, the wind was coming straight down the Ariki Arm. And uh, so we, we pulled out of here, and as we got round into this area here, we realized, hey, these waves are bigger than our little boat. And we only had in those days a, a 16-foot boat. Uh, for those of you who know boats, it was a 163 Haynes Hunter, and it had a little cabin in it, um, but it was um, it was only a little boat. We pulled out into this bay around here and, and decided we'd shelter there for a little while, and when I thought that things had got a little bit quieter, we pulled out into the centre of the lake, but uh, conditions were absolutely horrific. So, of course, we all had our life jackets on, we had... Uh, tied some floatable buoys together in case we got swamped and we needed to stay together. And the problem for us was that we were going side on to the waves because we had to get back to this point here. So we had to travel side on to the waves which were coming in from, from that direction. I Afterwards, I was sick, just not through seasickness, but just through the tension of the whole situation. And uh, right in the middle of the storm, when things were just absolutely at their worst, um, I looked into the cabin, and there were my two boys asleep. And I just, I automatically, I just cried out to God. I said, God, how can those boys sleep at a time like this? And straight away, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, your boys can sleep in the middle of the storm because they trust their father 
to get them through. How could Jesus sleep in the middle of the storm? He trusted his father to get him through. How could Daniel survive the lion's den? The Bible tells us that he trusted God to get him through. Daniel was about 85 years of age when he was promoted to be the number one administrator in Babylon, which the other administrators just didn't like. So the other administrators hatched a plan and convinced the king to make a new law saying that if anyone prayed to any god or human in the next 30 days except King Darius, they'll be thrown into the lion's den. And when Daniel heard about this, he just went home and he did what he always did. He said he used to pray three times a day, as was his custom, the Bible says. Well, the administrators, of course, had set a trap for Daniel and um, much to the distress of the king, Daniel was taken. He was thrown into the lion's den, and the den was sealed. And that night, the Bible tells us that the king couldn't sleep. And the next morning, he rushes to the lion's den, and we pick it up in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 20. And it says, <clears throat> when the king came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, and Daniel he said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel <coughs> were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in the, all the earth, and he said, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. What an amazing outcome to a particularly horrific situation. Now, none of us get literally thrown to the lions these days. But every one of us will have or face really difficult situations which have the potential to destroy us. <coughs> Health issues, uh, breakdown in relationships, family problems, financial crises, crises of faith, fatigue, burnout, problems at work, problems at church. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples in John 16:33, in the world you're going to have trouble. And the reason why we have trouble in the world is because we're living in a world that is falling apart. These are troublesome times. I mean, the question is, where in the world do you place your trust? The most famous piece of money in the world would probably be the United States 
$1 bill. Isn't that right? Everyone's heard of that. Well, on the back of the bill, uh, you read, in God we trust. Isn't it a shame that they don't do that? Isn't it a shame that we don't do that in New Zealand? I'm quite sure if in New Zealand and the United States we actually followed along with that and, and trusted God, things would be so, so, so much better. Um, Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Uh, I have a um, set of theological dictionaries, a five-volume set, which... Um, Help me understand Greek and Hebrew. And um, the New International Dictionary of New Testament Theology is one of the most authoritative dictionaries uh, in print. And, and it basically says in there that trust in God in the Old Testament basically coincides with faith in Jesus Christ in the New. Okay, so when you read about trusting in God in the Old Testament, translate it to faith in Jesus Christ in the New Testament. So the question is, what you put your trust in or what you put your faith in uh, affects how you live your life. Um, Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your, your path. That's a great verse and many of us know that verse uh, well, but it is so hard to enact at times, especially in the middle of a crisis. But I want to suggest to you this morning that it is only in times of testing that you can tell the depth of your faith and your trust in God. It's easy to trust God when everything is going well. But what about when you're facing the lion's den? Or what about when you're facing a prison experience? Usually, we don't see a miracle unless we need one. If you are well... You don't need to be healed. So I've learned that every problem that I have is an opportunity for God to move and for my faith to be tested and grow. <clears throat> my mother had a history of psychiatric illness. When I was born, mum had postnatal depression and then she had a complete uh, collapse. Uh, mum spent months at a time in Oakley Mental Institute in Auckland on numerous occasions and for over 18 years um, was medicated. When I came back from my first year at university, I was studying biotechnology. <coughs> I came back enth enthusiastic for God. I mean, man, ev everyone was a target. I, I tried to get the local Presbyterian minister saved uh, I, I tried everyone. But anyway, um, my enthusiasm sparked an interest in mum and dad. I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit while I was at university. And uh, about a year later, uh, mum and dad went along to a midweek uh, meeting uh, with Bill Zabritsky in the Mandalay Theatre in Auckland. Some of you will remember those meetings that used to, used to go on. Well, at that meeting, mum got filled with the Holy Spirit and she got completely healed, absolutely completely healed. And from that day on, 
till the day she died, aged 87, mum never had another breakdown and completely was off all medication. That is a miracle. When I see the broken chimney at home, concrete chimney that um, mum chopped down with an axe, (laughs) it reminded me of just how good our God is and how he heals. You see, I believe in miracles because I trust the God of miracles who says nothing is impossible to him. And often in life, things happen that we just don't understand. And that is when we really just have to trust God. Uh, Daniel would have wondered why God allowed him to be thrown into the lion's den. Joseph wouldn't have understood why God, well, the God he served allowed him to be sold as a slave, then thrown into an Egyptian jail because of a false accusation, and then forgotten about. David and his men didn't understand why their town of Ziglag was burnt to the ground and their families taken. But David and Joseph and Daniel all encouraged themselves in the Lord and sought his help. And it's easy to see why these things happened when we know the end of the story. With both Daniel and Joseph, their suffering was used to save nations. But in our lives, we really see the end because because God looks and weighs everything up in the light of eternity. And we usually... And we usually don't. So we have to learn to trust him. Trust doesn't come easy, but trust in God can grow in your life. So I want to give you some keys this morning about growing in trust for God. And first of all, I want to say that trust in God grows through our personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Trust starts by asking Jesus Christ to come into your life and to take control. Uh, At university, when I first went, I knew there was a God, but I didn't know God. And so I had no faith or trust in God. But a classmate of mine invited me to a Christian camp meeting. I'd been injured playing soccer. But I remember at the back of the meeting quietly saying, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And he did. It was like someone poured a bucket of warm water all over me. And I was miraculously healed and I came alive to God. So from that time onwards, I knew that God heals miraculously and I trusted him. And this year, I remember going on a young adults uh, summer outreach to Whangamata from Hamilton and we'd set up a coffee bar there and I remember one night these um, four smarty pants I was going to say something else young guys <laughs> came into the coffee bar and I remember just talking uh, sitting down talking to them and uh, they were going on and on and on and I said look would you let me just pray for you uh, uh, would you let me pray that God would reveal himself to you in a special way over the next few days. And I said, oh, yeah, go on, pray. And so I did. The next night, they all came back separately 
having had encounters with God, and all four of them surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. If you haven't had an encounter with God, surrender your life to Him and see what He'll do. The more you get to know God, the more you realize that God's good, that He loves you, that He's working for your ultimate good. Uh, Penny and I have been married for nearly 47 years now, which is pretty good. Yeah, whoa, Susie. (laughs) We know each other. (laughs) We know each other's strengths and weaknesses. We know how each other acts in various situations. Well, the same is true with God. I know what his word says about him, uh, that he is loving, that he's faithful, he's merciful. <clears throat> Lamentations 3.22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That's a great verse to remind ourselves of. That's a great verse to think about. His steadfast love going on and on towards us. And every morning, His mercies come to us. I have a history with God over the past 52 years. So I have great trust and great expectancy and great faith in situations where I've experienced God's intervention in the past. So, pray. Spend time with God. Read His Word. And as you get to know Him, your trust in Him will grow. And if you don't know God yet, then ask Him in. Just say, God, I want to know you because he died for you so that you could come to know him. Secondly, trust in God grows as you don't try and understand everything. There's a uh, whole bunch of people here who have uh, got university degrees, who haven't just got three-year degrees, they've got four-year degrees and five-year degrees and eight-year degrees. There's a whole bunch of brain boxes here. But the reality is sometimes our head knowledge gets in the way of what God wants to do. And he says in Proverbs 3 verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. There's a whole pile of situations, there's a whole pile of circumstances in life that you can't work out with your head. The first thing we're told to do after trusting God with all our heart is not to rely on our understanding of the situation. I don't need to understand everything about God and His ways to know that He loves me and I can trust Him And God is God. His ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. In fact, it says in Isaiah 55 verse 9, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We are human. He is God. We don't have the capability of understanding everything about Him. 
He views eternity. We focus on this life. He sees the end. We don't. Yes, we can learn about God. And we're encouraged to do that. But sometimes we have to just stop trying to understand why and just surrender to God and trust him to get you through a situation or a circumstance and focus on what you do know rather than what you don't know. And one of the things that I know with absolute certainty is that God loves me. He's got a plan for my life. He will never leave me, and he hasn't finished with me yet. Anyone else out there who's like that? Yeah, amen. Psalm 125 verse 1 says this. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. Doesn't mean that the mountain won't shake, but it can't be destroyed by shaking. Circumstances shake us. Things we don't understand shake us. About six years ago, I was um, diagnosed with prostate cancer. No big deal. I just prayed as I did every other time. And I got others to pray. And amazingly, amazingly, I didn't get miraculously healed. I couldn't believe it. I had, over the years, I have prayed for so many people with cancers or people who needed a miracle and seen wonderful, wonderful miracles. And here am I needing one for myself, and I didn't get one. I, I was shaken. You know what that's like, don't you, Russell? I was, I was shaken. I mean, I had seen hundreds, maybe thousands of miracles over the years. Why not me? Why not me? I couldn't, I, I couldn't understand it. Uh, the, what worried me more than anything else wasn't the cancer. It was why God hadn't healed me. That was what really, really, really shook me. So I underwent surgery. I have no more cancer. God was really with me, but boy, did I suffer. I trust God even more now than before. Um, we, live, we love with our hearts, uh, not our heads. Uh, when our kids get into their teenage years, they, they tend to question everything, they, their par- uh, especially their parents. But when they are little... They just love us, and they trust us, and they believe in us. I've got a um, two-year-old granddaughter, and whoa, what a cutie she is. Her little finger, I am wrapped around about it. But the thing is, this little kid, she believes everything that I say. She She just believes it. And sometimes that's how we've got to be with God. That's why Jesus said that we need to come to him as little children and learn to love him more. He knows what we need. He's with us. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 and 8, Joshua 1 5, Hebrews 13 5. I will never leave you or forsake you. And that's our God. My brother reminded me yesterday when we were talking about mum, how mum was diagnosed uh, with uh, terminal cancer. She had um, five out of 11 lymph nodes were positive and she had hot spots on her back. And mum came down to Hamilton. Some of the elders of the church prayed for her. She got various other people to pray for her. And she got miraculously healed again. Absolutely, absolutely, totally healed. And as I said before, she lived to 87. Um, God was just gracious and healed. He's with us, especially in the difficult times. I've known God's presence in the difficult times. I've learned more in the hard times and in the valleys of life than perhaps at any other time. And as we do life with God, our love and our trust for him grows in situations we don't understand. Focus on trusting God rather than trying to understand him or the situation. And by the way, my faith and my trust in God is not dependent on him doing stuff for me. Okay? I've already had the best miracle of all, forgiveness of my sin, relationship with the creator of the universe, who's my heavenly father, and eternal life through Jesus Christ. Any other miracle is just temporal and only affects this short life. Ultimately, my trust in God is based on my relationship with him and his love for me. Thirdly, your trust in God will grow when you realize that God can work everything out for good. Romans 8.28, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. When you know without doubt that God can work everything out for good, even those situations that the enemy has initiated to pull you down, then you will pray expectantly in every situation. Uh, Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know, God gives us peace not through keeping us in peaceful situations. Now, we can be in the middle of the storm and God can give us peace within. How, how many people have experienced the peace of God just overruling everything in their life in the middle of a stormy situation? Why don't you put your hand up? Oh, wow. Wow. Three quarters, more than three quarters of us have all experienced that situation where despite the storm that's going on around about us, inside there is this, this unbelievable peace that rules and reigns. See, when you're worrying, you aren't trusting. 
When you aren't trusting, you won't have peace. One good thing to remember is that in the end, God works everything for good. So if it's not good, it's not the end. Does that make sense? (laughs) If it's not good, it's not the end. And when you recognize that, your trust will grow. Let's have the musicians come. Lastly, when there are, your trust will grow when there are others who trust God standing with you. Uh, we are here this morning surrounded by people of faith who trust God. You know, when I was going through that dark time uh, of cancer surgery, I was so thankful for friends who were standing by me. I was so thankful uh, for friends who were praying with me and praying for me. And that is partly what the body of Christ is all about. It's us getting together, not only to worship God, but to, to support one another. Now, we are here this morning surrounded by people of faith who trust God. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, <clears throat> since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. If you need a breakthrough, get others to stand with you. No matter what your situation is like this morning, God can turn it for good. He can break your chains of bondage and set you free. And like that little girl that Isaac was talking about who was run over by her grandparents who looked like her life was going to end. When we got our intercessors team praying, God began to work miracles. And miraculously, miraculously, that child completely healed, completely restored. That's our good God. But remember, life is lived forward and understood backwards. So don't think you will understand everything in life, but deepen your relationship with God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Live by God's word and trust God and you'll break free from the hazard of adversity and you'll take hold of God's plans and purposes for your life. I love Jeremiah 17 verse 7. It says this. It says, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. He'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends its root by the stream. It does not fear when he comes its leaves are always green it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit all you gardeners out there there's a picture of the person who trusts with God being planted in a place where there's drought but because the person's roots are deep into God 
the drought, the things, the adversity that's happening round about that person aren't going to impact that person's fruitfulness, aren't going to impact that person's ability to grow strong in the things of God. That's what I want to be like. That's what I want to be like. When I finally die, I hope someone will say at my funeral, he trusted God. Because if you trust God, everything else will fade into insignificance.